Blog Talk Radio.
for Jesus. I'm not tired yet. How many of you can say that you are not tired yet? God bless you and good afternoon and welcome to Global Gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend. We're here every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We are grateful to God that allowed us to be here today in the land of the living to share with you. It is because of the Lord's mercy we are not consumed. His compassion, they fail not. Great is God's faithfulness to us. We serve a loving God. We serve a kind God. We serve a faithful God. And we give him glory, honor, and praise on today because he's worthy to be praised. We thank you for sharing this uh, time of ministry and worship and praise with us. We want you to know that we do not own the rights to any of the music that you hear on today. But we pray that everything that is said is a blessing to you, to you, and to you. Uh, we know that uh, something is said on today, will be said on today to bless each and every one of you in the north, south, east, or the west. We want you to tell your family, your friends, your neighbors to log on to www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. Certainly, we want them to share this ministry moment with you as well. Uh, we want you to know that we're also syndicated on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. So we are on all those platforms you can share with us as well. We want you to reach out to us on our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And we're on uh, Tumblr. If you go to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, or our Tumblr page, uh, certainly uh, you can uh, click on the direct link to our episode. Again, we thank God for all our sponsors to Malini's Factory, MPT Enterprise, Third Lounge, Nationwide Black Family Mediation Services to Abyssinia, and to Nevaeh's Cake Creations. Thank God for you, you, and to you. If you'd like to reach out to Global Gospel, you can reach us at P.O. Box 5331 that is in Hempstead, New York, where the zip code is 11550. You can email us at globalgospel17 at gmail.com. So we are looking to hear from you. And our number in studio, 619-924-0800. We want to hear from you on today. We shout out all of our listeners, those families that are listening, the Townsends, the Normans, the Locks, the Thompsons the Hernandez family, the Stevenson family, the Gordon family, the Bradell family, the Bowers family, the Scott family, the Brinches, the Wiggins, the Furmans, the Allens, the Natalis, everyone that's listening across the United States and around the world because this is Global Gospel. We thank God for you, you, and for you. And certainly we do have a special lineup for you on today in about uh, just a few minutes. Uh, and we want you to be blessed, so stay tuned. And for those of you who have just joined in for the first time, our theme scripture here at Global Gospel, I'm sure if you've been listening, you know it by heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, say it with me. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And certainly we don't want anybody uh, to be lost. If you hear the gospel, 
Uh, we certainly want you to know about the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he came to heal, deliver, to save, and to set free. And the gospel is free to all. Salvation is free today, and all you have to do is accept it, believe it, and confess it. And so we thank God for you, you, and for you. And so at this time, uh, we are going to take a break, and certainly when we come back, uh, we will be uh, back with our special guest on today and so we want you to uh, stay tuned and you still have time to tell your family your friends and your neighbors to share with us for the next few moments and let them know that they are in the right place stay tuned and be blessed Talk about the right place a little 
uh, more. But uh, and we'll let you know where that right place is from. God bless you, special guest. How are you, man? All is well. How you doing? I'm blessed. I cannot complain. Good, good. Honored to be here with you today. Yes, sir. We're glad to have you with us. And for those uh, that are uh, listening in, and you probably maybe if you didn't catch the voice or make the connection, uh, tell our guests who you are. I am uh, Bishop Rudolph McKissick, the uh, pastor of the Bethel Church in Jacksonville, Florida. All right, so we thank you. We we've gone all the way to this uh, sunshine state on today, and certainly we thank God for the bishop Rudolph McKissick Jr. for taking time out of his busy schedule on today. And uh, we just want to reiterate that we are in the right place, right, Bishop? In the right place at the right time, man. That's one of our songs. It's really a song written by Jonathan Nelson that he gave. He's one of my dear friends. He gave us permission uh, to record when we were uh, with Intro Troy Sneed, uh, at that time. So absolutely. Awesome. So, uh, t- Bishop, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, we know that you are an awesome preacher, recording artist, all of that, but uh, you got your start somewhere. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a native Floridian. Uh, I went away, of course. I've pastored. Many people think this is my first pastorate, but in actuality, I've pastored in Virginia and in Ohio before returning home. I'm pastoring the church I was born and uh, raised in, in actuality. You know, I've been back here since 1995. I, uh, I'm an only child uh, of my parents, and um, as you said, musician. I grew up as a musician. Preaching was nowhere on my mind, even way all the way through college in actuality. I was uh, an opera major, believe it or not. I had wow. no intentions of even working in the church. It just, not that I, I it, it wasn't a rebellion against the church. I was, even in college, you know, when I was at Florida State, I went to church, was active in the church where I attended. So it wasn't a rebellion against the church. I just, you know, uh, never had that on my mind, to be very honest with you. And opera was my passion. And so that was what I was trained in in college. And, you know, the Lord had other plans, obviously, from the beginning. But God reveals more to us as we go than he does at the beginning, as we trust him. And so... In time, God revealed to me what my real assignment was, but that preaching was not an aspiration. It was not even in my vision, uh, nowhere in my eyesight. Uh, So, you know, that's a little bit about me. My wife and I will be married 30 years next year. Um, We have three awesome and wonderful children. They're all grown, 23, 24, and 27. And uh, our oldest is actually working full-time in the church. So, uh, you know, blessed life. Made my share of mistakes, uh, but God has been faithful. And uh, so that's a little probably some things about me people don't know. Well, uh, certainly uh, it was interesting that you should mention being an opera major because I I was just listening uh, earlier on today, uh, Jennifer Hudson 
uh, was performing Nessa Dorma. And uh, I hope I said it right. You can correct me if I didn't. Yeah, I'm close yeah. enough, right? <laughs> You're closer. Trust me. You're closer than most folk get. All right. Uh, so, uh, yes, um, we all, and people don't realize, listen, there's two types of preachers. There's those that um, say, oh, I knew what I wanted to be. I, I, I came out the room. I was ready to preach. And there's others of us that, you know, we take a little different path and then we, you know, come back. Not that God didn't know from the beginning. But certainly we all have to make our own path in life. Uh, so Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're grateful for that. And PK, was, was PK, being a PK a discouragement to going into ministry? No, that's what I'm saying. No. I, it, I was, I never had a rebellion against the okay. church or against preaching. You know, I, I never had the experience that I hear some people talk about. My dad, my dad never made me feel pressure. My dad right, never right. even talked to me about going into ministry because I was, um, not only was I a singer, I was an athlete. And so, you know, my dad came to all my games all through high school. I played football, basketball, and ran track and ne- never. And I can only think of maybe a couple of people in the church growing up who may have said, oh, you're going to be our next pastor. I didn't deal with that. So because I did not have that pressure not only did I not have a rebellion you know from the church I didn't run when the Lord revealed to me this is what he wanted me to do it was an easy submission for me because I had never had the pressure you know um, of anybody making me feel like this is what I was born to do or this is what I'm supposed to do or this is what I'm going to do I never ever dealt with that growing up so you know it wasn't difficult and my my father is the type whatever may have gone on or that goes on you know uh, what goes with the territory of being a pastor my dad didn't bring that home so I didn't sit around the table hearing the horror stories of hellions or you know uh, having to deal with rumors and people I didn't hear that kind of stuff so you know, once again, there was nothing that made me say, oh, I ain't going to do this. I just never experienced any of that. Awesome. Well, that that's a good thing in uh, many ways. Um, so uh, here you are, a PK, and uh, so now uh, you are pastoring the church uh, that, well, before then you became, you go into ministry and you become a pastor, correct? Yeah, so I went off. I went off to seminary uh, in in Richmond, Virginia, Virginia Union Seminary in the 80s. And while I was there, uh, interesting story, I was, uh, I met my, what is now my wife, um, and we were, we became great friends. We weren't even dating at the time. Her father, just how God works, her father, my dad, had preached for her father in Richmond back in 1979. Her father was one of my professors at the seminary. So when he met me my first year there, he obviously gravitated towards me because of his relationship with my dad, brought me to the church, and um, I began to work with the youth and the like. Well, he was taking a five-year sabbatical to take a job in uh a parachurch in, in a convention setting, right? So 
he decided he wanted me. Well, he didn't decide. They, the church actually did a search for what they were calling um, an in-house pastor while he was gone. I was okay. selected. Now, I'm still in seminary. I, I was selected. I didn't meet any of the criteria. The criteria that they had to even apply, you had to be 30. I was 24. You had to have an MDiv. I was still working on my master's. You had to be married. I was very single. <laughs> but but they selected me. Well, because of his relationship with my dad, he wanted to have a huge installation service, invite my dad up, invite the church up. My dad bought four busloads up to the installation, choir and everything. And, man, the morning of the installation at 50 years old, uh, my father-in-law died. Wow. Um, the morning of the and of course, like I said, at that point, my wife and I were not dating, but we were very, we were like best friends. So the morning of the service, man, he had a major aneurysm and just died. Wow. Um, and so, consequently, my who is now my mother-in-law stood before the church that morning. They came to church, told the church to, to not play around, to go ahead and call me as the pastor. And so that's how I got in my first church. Wow. That's, that's a crash, crash course. A very, very crash course. Very, But, you know, although I never ran from anything and although, you know, Dad never brought stuff home, that is one of the areas where being a PK helped because I wasn't new to church. Right, right. And because I wasn't new to church, you know, I understood how church went. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, that was an area where being a, being a PK gave me wisdom, um, that had been deposited in me that I didn't know was in me until situations arose where I needed it. Mm. And I, I think that's how God works with a lot of things. You know, um, God deposits stuff in us and sometimes we don't even know what's there until a situation arises where we need it. And, and you know, I, I'm reminded of when Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for you, but I prayed for you. And it's interesting, Jesus doesn't say, I prayed that you don't go through it. Jesus simply said, I pray that your faith don't fail. Right. And, and, and to me, that suggests, Peter, whether you know it or not, I've deposited enough in you for your faith to be strong enough to deal with what's coming. And you may not even know you're strong enough until you get to that battle. So that's kind of how it was with me with, with pastoring. Wow. And so, uh, well, we, we started, well, the aim was to talk about maintaining the mantle. Uh, but just a side note, uh, this was a transfer, an unexpected transfer of the mantle in full, yeah. full force. It was. It was. And, and, you know, it's a little maintaining the mantle because <laughs> – you know, there is, I believe, a, a, a responsibility and accountability um, to hold up the integrity of the, of the baton you were passed. Not that you have to be that person, but there is a certain integrity when, when a mantle is passed. That You know, we talk about the mantle of the anointing being passed, but I believe there's more. I believe... When somebody passes you that baton, 
that there is an accountability to the integrity of the person who put you in the position to to get the baton. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there was this responsibility I felt, not only in that church, but now, you know, following my dad. In both instances, there was an integrity they walked with as it relates to people, as it relates to God's word, as it relates to how they manage the church. And I think, you know, th- that's part of the mantle that to, to maintain the integrity. Now, you have to maintain the integrity while being true to your own individuality. You know, passing a mantle don't mean you them. <laughs> True. You know, and I, I think where people in, in in mantle transfers and in succession, I think where a lot of people get tripped up is they think it's a calling to be who they got the mantle from. And that's mm. never the case. If you look in the Bible, you know, all through the Bible, uh, you know, uh, Joshua wasn't Moses. <laughs> you know, David wasn't Samuel. Uh, all of, you can just go, you can go on and on and on and on through the Bible, where a person's individuality was where their authenticity was. God never, God will never anoint false advertisement. That's good. so. So you you've got to make sure that you trust the authenticity of the individuality of who God has made you, and not try to be somebody that you succeeded. You're not them. Don't feel the pressure of being them. You are who you are, and God will put you in the hearts of the people. You cannot manipulate your way in the hearts of people but by trying to be who they once loved. You have to be you. Mm. That That's very well said, because I think so many people, and probably in, well, across generations and my generation as well, uh, they have a identity crisis. <laughs> they don't really know who they are or what they're supposed to be doing. I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. And, you know, uh, Apostle Hilliard and I were talking last night, Ivy Hilliard, and he he made this profound statement that your your potential is not canceled by your ignorance. He wasn't he wasn't using the word ignorant in the negative connotation. He was using the word ignorant in what its definition is when you don't know. Right. That Lack your of knowledge. Poten- yeah. Your potential isn't canceled by what you don't know yet. So just because I don't know what my purpose is doesn't mean I need to start speaking I don't have one. Just because I haven't found it yet, you know, or just because I thought I found it and it didn't work out, failure is a part of the process of success. So just because I I haven't found it or because I got in something that I thought was it and it wasn't it doesn't mean I don't have one. And I think you know, the word has to be you keep striving until you find it. And and your potential isn't canceled just because you don't know yet. Hmm. Very well said. And I think uh, you just dropped us uh, so many nuggets on that for the uh, young preacher, uh, certainly the young person in ministry, starting out in ministry, uh, thinking about ministry, or already in ministry uh, as pertain, uh, pertaining to the mantle. And in this particular season, um, so many of us, like, um, you know, you you were in this situation where uh, 
death was a part of your uh, installation. And I believe in this season, we've lost so many leaders, uh, yes. young and old, across the country, across the world, across uh, different denominations. And how do you see <laughs> that transfer of the mantle? It's very interesting. You know, <sighs> now, I'm what? saying there's no right or wrong answer because you know no, no, we're, no. We're, li- we're living through this. This, is, this well, hasn't happened in the recent history. Well, what you just said was going to be my opening statement. That All right, go ahead. We're, we're, we're in a season we've never had, so there is no right or wrong, but I think there are principles that need to be applied no matter what. Like, for instance, if, if there's been a death, so – My death was unique because I had already been selected in a position before he died, right? So that was almost natural. But in many instances of today, persons are dying. Let's say COVID. So somebody is dying unexpectedly, and, and there is no plan, or there is no person. In situations like that, the, the mantle passing is different and because I don't even know if you can call that the passing of the mantle. In a situation like that, I think churches have to be prayerful. Um, in particular, here's what I mean by that. The mistake most churches make, they make one of two, one of two mistakes. And and one of those two mistakes is driven by one thing. The one thing it's driven by, before I get to the two mistakes, the one thing it's driven by um, is personality. Here's what I mean. that They allow the personality of the former pastor to drive their decision-making to the extent that they either say we want somebody just like him or her or we don't want that again. <laughs> so they... They, they let the personality of the pastor drive their next choice instead of being prayerful about knowing the will of God for their church. You know, um, you, you know faith, faith is activated where the will of God is known. So you've got to know the will of God before you go into the prayer of faith about your next leader. And I think there are practicalities to that. To know the will of God for my church, I've got to know who's in my church, what my church needs, the ages of my church, the demographics of my church, what people in those demographics struggle with, so that I know what kind of leader is needed in this church to meet the needs of the people. And so I think in this season, when pastors unfortunately, are transitioning, like you said, as they are and at a faster rate than than normal, churches have to first go into prayer about the will of God for their church and what is needed instead of letting their decision be pushed by the personality of the former pastor. That's uh, a lot to uh <laughs> <laughs> at, at one time because you know 
when people uh <laughs> the other word uh the other p word is power <laughs> when people people in power and position they don't think about prayer <laughs> well
on the victory. Uh, certainly, we are back. You're listening to Global Gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend. For those of you that just tuned in, our special guest today, Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Jr. And certainly, we're discussing uh, maintaining the mantle. And I've got a few uh, PR person, Marlon uh, Townsend. We want to shout you out uh, for making uh, this possible today along with the staff of uh, Bishop McKissick and he uh, commented uh, that you are the mantle uh, different people are the mantle and uh, uh, Elder Fell said this is uh, transparency uh, at this time so continue to leave us a comment you can call us in 619-924-0800 Bishop I'm going to uh, uh, let you uh, go in uh your own direction i'm going to uh also shout out uh sister tiffany as well from uh bethel uh for making this possible as well and i'm going to uh let you go in whatever direction you think best as we uh discuss maintaining the mantle apostolic succession and passing the mantle and certainly we've covered a lot of ground uh in a short amount of time and you've told us uh number one uh, we need to remain uh, prayerful in this season, and certainly we need to uh, do an identity check, and certainly we need to also, uh, we pretty much concluded the last uh, segment by, uh, in so many words, check our uh, giftings. What has God, uh, what gift has he called us to, and what gift has he given us uh, to make ministry uh, smoother, and as you talked about this, I also thought about um, uh, Miles Miles Monroe, uh, Doctor Miles Monroe, when he talked about uh, passing the uh, passing of the baton as well, and uh, he talked about how uh, he had a vision, uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. Leaders uh, dying with the baton in their hand, and so uh, I'll let you go in your direction. Well, you're the bishop. I, I, think, I think, you know, something you just said is so important about giftings. You know, that that everybody doesn't have the same giftings, e- even when it comes to church. I think one of the things that has hurt the black church, and, and, and I'm seeing less and less of it, thank God, and that is that for years and for generations, we thought the only gift in the black church was was a preacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, oh the, preacher, the preacher became the prima donna, um, and and that's that's really unfortunate the way the way that goes. That this, the preacher always thinks they are the prima donna, and um, as a result, people who had gifts didn't have. An opportunity. Now, I'm not going to say just to be used, but to have impact. Um, and so, what we're seeing today is we're recognizing that there's more than one gift in the in the church, and it takes more than one gift for the church to look like the kingdom. In in too many instances, the church has not looked like the kingdom. It's looked like a kingdom where there is a king. And and now, you know, we're recognizing more gifts. And I think that's important. Here's why. Here's another old boy. You said old boy a few minutes ago. Here's another old boy. 
Everybody that's called into ministry isn't called to preach. I think what happens a lot of times is somebody will feel a call into ministry, and because a a gift culture has not been set, we automatically thrust them into preaching where that may not be their gift, and they fail at that and then feel like maybe they weren't called. No, not that you weren't called. Maybe you just weren't called with the gift of preaching. Maybe you were called with another gift that needs to be used in the kingdom and in the body to draw people to Jesus Christ and then to help that church walk in discipleship. You know, so, uh, and and no one gift is greater than the other. I, my church knows that. I don't think I'm greater because I have the preaching gift. I'm just different. And there are different responsibilities that come with my gift. Every, my, my gift, I'm not the leader because I have the gift of preaching. I'm a leader because I have the gift of pastoring. Because everybody that can preach can't pastor. <laughs> so, you know, we have to come to the place where we understand there are a variety of gifts. And all of those gifts, you know, every gift may not be resident in your church, but surely yours ain't the only one. <laughs> and until you recognize that, your church will never look like kingdom and your church will never have the impact on the culture that it should be for Jesus Christ. Wow, that was uh, well said. And uh, Ryan commented, the people need to stop trying to be like others. And so uh, I think that is so important, uh, what you shared uh, pertaining to gifts. Now, we um, it is one thing that I do want to uh, add, is because I don't want to run out of time before I say this. Um, mm-hmm. So with uh, maintaining the mantle, and certainly you're able, uh, we're able to uh, coexist in ministry uh with your father and that yeah. is that is uh unique and because so many times even in the natural sense there is a father son conflict and yeah and in the yeah. in the body of christ there's a, a father son or father daughter or mother daughter conflict. Yeah. there's conflicts and so tell us about that mantle and coexistence that's good, that's good. um You're right. You don't see as many success stories, particularly when the parent is still alive. I think think a couple of things helped, and and it's the advice I would give to any child that is in a success. One, what benefited me was that this was not my first pastorate. Okay. So I, I wasn't on the job learning how to be a pastor, or being taught how to pastor by my father. When I came home, I had two churches under my belt. So I didn't, I didn't come home as a novice. I tell, I, you know, and I have, I've had sons ask me this before. Well, what do you think? I, and I tell them all the time, go away. <laughs> before, <laughs> go, go away while you have time. Pastor somewhere else while you have time. Why? So that when you come back, you you come back as a pastor, knowing what it means to pastor. That was one thing that helped. 
The second thing that helped is, <laughs> candidly, my father got out the way and stayed out the way. <laughs> you know, even before he retired, my father kind of faded in, you know, uh, my dad just retired maybe five years ago, but here's what people don't realize. When we built our new building in 2000 and went in, my dad started fading into the sunset. I started doing all the preaching. I started doing all the teaching on, on, on Wednesdays. I started doing all the leading and administrating. Mm-hmm. My father began to fade so that when retirement came, literally nothing changed. Literally, no so 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 the church was was introduced to this uh, phases without uh, it almost they didn't even know (laughs) exactly it was seamless because he retired 2015 well for 15 years I had already been doing everything wow so when he retired the the next Sunday what happened the Sunday before happened. Because it had been happening. That's I think I, I think a lot of times, God help me say this right, pastors who are retiring don't know how to move, don't know how to get out the way. You know, uh, I, I hear it said a lot that that pastor should leave and go find another church. My, my dad's attitude was, where am I going to go? You know, the uniqueness of ours was my dad was born and raised in Bethel just as I was. So okay. Bethel, like, you know, Bethel, outside of when my dad went off to seminary or college and the like, Bethel is all my dad's ever known. Mm. So my dad was like, where am I going to go? But he stayed there and became just a member. You know, now. I'm smart enough, and this now goes back to the child. I'm smart enough, you know, through the years, if I need advice, I go ask him. But I'm also experienced enough that if I don't want to do that, I'll say, I'm going to try something else. But, but I'm, I'm not afraid to go to him to ask. Because I know even though I'm 56 and I've been pastoring over 30 years, my father has some wisdom beyond me by age and experience. My dad will be 94 in October and pastor wow. 48 years. Yeah. So I think it, it's a balance when it comes to that. It's a balance that is rooted in confidence in, in who you are, confidence in yourself, that I don't have to be him, I'm not trying. When I tell you my father and I are polar opposites, you know, uh, my my father is a, hey, honey, how you doing, hug, kiss everybody on the cheek, da-da-da. Well, I'm shy. Now, people find that crazy because they see me on stage and they're like, you know, he really cool. I'm, Dude, I'm not a people person, but I like people. That's not what I mean. But I'm very shy. Oh, I understand. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's only child syndrome. I can go in a room full of folk, and I'd be the main name in the room. People, everybody in the room know who I am, and I will be perfectly fine with going over and sitting in the chair in the corner and chilling. People people translate that as arrogance. I am the furthest from arrogant you will ever want to meet, but I am shy. 
So my dad was a kisser. Everybody that came up to my dad, you know, he's kissing. That ain't me. So that was a transition for the people. So at first it was he's mean, he don't like people, he's arrogant. But I wasn't going to change who I am because I know none of those are who I am. And the people grew to love me as I am. Now here's what's deep. As I've gotten older, I've become more of that. I hug, I kiss, you know. But I never tried to force myself to be somebody I wasn't. And my dad never said to me, you got to learn to hug and kiss on these folks. It was never that kind of thing. And and if, if you're going to follow somebody that is still yet alive, there's mm-hmm. got to be that balance where the person that's going off the scene is comfortable enough in who they are that they don't still need to be in control. And the one that's coming on the scene is comfortable enough that they don't need have a need to try to be who they aren't. Wow, that's well said. And uh, Nitha Odom says, I echo that, Bishop. I am ordained to minister to the body from the aspect of medicine. Uh, that was in regards to you talking about the gifting. But um, and what you that. Yes. And we need that. And, and what you said, I think there's another issue, uh, another word that goes along with what you said about the relationship between you and your father. I think the other word is respect. There has to be a mutual no respect on both ends. No question. That no, you, you, a part of the respect of the younger is that you cannot be intimidated Um. I was talking to a pastor last week, younger, one who succeeded, a very, very popular um, and powerful father. And, you know, the comment was made that the people don't seem to respect me like they did him. And, and, and my comment to them was, they're not, not yet. <laughs> that don't mean they don't respect you. Part of the respect that you have to have for the one you're succeeding is just being honest about who they are. (laughs) You know, you just have to be honest about who they are and be okay with that. You know, if, if an older member in our church dies and the family says, well, we want your dad to preach it, okay, I have no problem with that because I understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 a couple is getting married, maybe they grew up in Bethel, and now they're they're in their thirties or whatever, and they say, "Well, we want Bishop McKissick Senior to counsel us." Okay, I don't have no problem with that because I under I under I don't take that as they don't respect me. Right. So so a part of my respecting my father is just being honest about who he is. Right. Then my dad's respect for me is that he sees me as his pastor, literally. My wow. father, my father never gets up ever without, in his acknowledgments, acknowledging his pastor, and that's the way he words it to my pastor. That's good. So there has to be yes. That, that deserves a whole conference. <laughs> yeah, listen, there has to be that mutual. Respect. There has to be, and it has to be void of any insecurity. Has to be. 
Because you can't you can't have that respect if you're insecure. You'll never have it. You won't have respect. You'll have competition. Wow. Well, that was um, that's well said, Bishop. And um, I don't want to keep you. Uh, I know you have a, a extensive schedule, but I thank you for sharing with us today about oh, man, uh, ma- maintaining the mantle. And I'm going to give you a chance to give some people some shout outs, some. Uh, service times and let them know how they can uh, uh, that was that's just a profound uh, thing that you and your father uh, both uh, co being able to coexist in ministry because I mean and then and the fact that um, that no one had to be uh, that it, it could happen in life because so few times that that happened I can um, yeah. think of some uh, one pastor told me and I'm, I'm not even going to say what their age is but they're they're older, and they said, and the person is, they're in very good shape for their age. It's fa- fact, I know a few pastors like this, and they said to me that they didn't read anywhere in the Bible where anybody retired. <laughs> and so they were, they were going to pastor until they die. And so um, yeah, I guess well, to each know, his own. <laughs> that, that, that's not in the Bible. But there's an interesting there's an interesting scripture in the Bible in Genesis. I can't remember the exact chapter now. Where Abraham sent his servant um, to to go, or Isaac sent his servant to go try to find a wife for Jacob. Yes. And and the servant stopped at the well where the women were going to be. Now listen, uh, Isaac never told him to stop at that well. He just told him to go find a wife. Watch this. He stopped at the well because he knew that's where the women came. What's my point? That there are some things God not ought not have to tell you when he's given you wisdom. That's my point. I, I agree. And, and certainly, <laughs> go ahead. That, that servant had the wisdom to know to really find a wife, I need to stop at this well. But that wasn't in the instructions. So, okay, retirement might not be in the Bible, but wisdom is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> wisdom is. Yeah, wisdom definitely is. And, uh, you know, I think, he and whoever that pastor was is not alone. One of my dad's friends, when he retired, flew here to tell my dad it was unbiblical for him to retire. Flew here to tell him that, and uh, the, unfortunately, there are a lot of people. I'm a firm listen. I'm a firm believer because uh, because I don't I, I don't plan to pass all my life. I, my church knows by 65 I'm gone because there are <laughs> other things I want to do with life. I hear you. I hear you. And I think that's okay. I don't want to pass until I die. I want I want my wife and I to enjoy the fruits of our labor while we yet live. So I think that's wisdom. Wow. So a part of it, and I'm done. So what pastors need to do is begin to develop a succession culture so that success is on the mind of your people. You've got to develop a succession, succession culture, uh, and that's so important. Wow. 
I, I appreciate uh, your words of wisdom and your uh, honest moments and your transparency. And, I, and people on today that if you were listening, you have no choice but to say amen or ouch <laughs> to what was said on today. <laughs> and certainly what you can like it or not, it is what it is. And certainly uh, we thank God for uh, Bishop Rudolph McKissick Jr. for sharing with us today, maintaining the mantle. Bishop, uh, I want you to shout out uh, some people today and uh, tell our listening audience uh, where you can be found and contacted. I also want to shout out, I do have some family uh, that attends uh, Bethel, uh, Kamisha, Kendall, and Camille, and so I want to shout them out as oh, well. Wow, man. Okay. Uh, uh, but go ahead. It's all yours, Bishop. Well, man, I, I, the first one I'm going to shout out is my wife, you know, because right. family is your first ministry. All right. Um, amen. My, and my wife is also our executive pastor at the church. So I, I shout her out. I shout out my executive assistant, you know, who, who made sure I was on time <laughs> today. <laughs> and, Thank and God. Keep, yeah, keeps my schedule together, you know, and I'm blessed, man, to have both my parents uh, alive. They're 93, but at 93, they're still driving, still going where they want to go, still doing what they want to do. Um, and I shout out my team, and then I'll give our service hours because I'm a firm believer that I'm only the leader I am because of the people I'm surrounded by. Um, and so my entire team, all the way down to those who have stewardship of keeping the building, hmm. uh, uh, I, I shout all of them out. Anybody that wants to catch us every Sunday at 10 a.m., you can go to our Facebook page, the Bethel Church Jacksonville. You can catch us on our YouTube page, the Bethel Church Jacksonville. Our website is easy to remember. It's thebethelexperience.com. You can catch us on any of those. If you can't catch 10 a.m., we rebroadcast at 6 p.m. and at midnight. And we would love to have you uh, to join in. And if you don't have a church, this pandemic has introduced the virtual church, and we have an e-church, an e-campus, and an e-pastor. So I would encourage anybody that's, that's not saved uh, to first find Jesus. Let, let the Lord become your Savior. Then mm -hmm. find church so that you can become your Savior's disciple. Um, and so that's where that's where you can find us. All right. Thank you once again, all of our listeners. Perhaps you missed uh, something uh, that was said on today. If you missed something, you missed a lot. And so we encourage you to go back and listen at www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're here every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, we thank you, Bishop, for taking time out of your busy schedule. Certainly the next time I'm in Jacksonville, I will uh, make sure I stop by uh, the Bethel Church, whether I'm on the north side or the south side or Riverwalk or River City or all those places in Jacksonville. I will make my way, uh, if the Lord says the same, to uh, Bethel. And um, certainly uh, we're going to let you uh, conclude in uh, prayer and certainly uh, tell us again uh, who you are. I'm Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Jr., the senior pastor of the Bethel Church here in Jacksonville. And so, God, we thank you for, uh, for moments like these. We thank you even for technology 
uh, where we can share beyond the confines of a building, but we can share our voice with the world. And we we celebrate and thank uh, thank God today uh, for all that you're doing and for all that you are allowing uh, Reverend Townsend to do. Thank you, O oh God, for global gospel. And we declare uh, that the impact that they will have will match the name. It will be global. For everyone listening today, hope they were challenged and and stretched to find their purpose and to be all that you created them to be. Above all, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, yes. who died for the penalty of our sins, not just so we can come to heaven, but so we can live for you on the way to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, man. All right. I just can't give up now.
Walking in the 